Welcome to the Craft Food Podcast. I am your host, Chef Michelle Fox, a Brazilian firecracker, slow food chef, generational herbalist, and a farmer. I am excited to bring you a monthly dose of information and inspiration to create change in the way we see our food. I'll take you back when life was simpler and food didn't travel 3,000 miles to get to your mouth. I explore the impact feeding ourselves have in the world, our relationship with food, and how eating with the seasons can change the landscape of food as we see it. Get ready to be recruited into the food revolution. We will explore an array of topics from food preservation, farm-to-table concepts, organic certifications, regenerative farming, and so much more. Today, October 9th, 2021, I had the pleasure to chat with Christopher Freeman. He's the founder of Basic Human Needs Incorporated, an economic development company focused on impact investing. He's an illustrator designer by education that became passionate about product design in his early years. We talk about the Vatican, new farming technologies, and so much more. I hope you enjoy it. Christopher Freeman, welcome to the Craft Food Podcast. Thank you very much. Welcome to be here. Awesome. Um, I came across your company on Instagram and uh, I was very curious about it from the start. Um, before we get into your company, I want to give the listeners a little bit of a back history of how you got to where you are today. Um, you are a graduate of the SCAD Savannah College of Art and Design. Uh, do you come from a family of academics? Um, yes, a little bit. Under, I was the first one to graduate, but then my baby sisters under me uh, uh, graduated from me, but my grandparents were educators. Yes. Very cool. Um, did your family had a business or did they work uh, in a workforce? How did that, how did you grow up? Give us a little bit of a, a background. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I got a little blend from my, my father and my grandparents. And uh, we always kind of bridged both because my parents were country uh, from the outskirts of Atlanta, Georgia. Matter of fact, that's where I am right now. I, I love it here. And um, they were farmers. And I did have the pleasure of uh, being in the farm life. And also, yes, my father uh, left this part of, uh, of Georgia and moved to closer to the ocean. And he kind of brought a little bit of that farm life with him. And, and uh, yes, he was a bit of an entrepreneur, uh, very good with his hands. And uh, yes, we were a uh, left from a farmer to being in a mechanic uh, uh, business. Yes. Very cool. Uh, so seems as your world is like uh, illustration, design, uh, which led you to product design. Uh, why did you take that direction? You know, illustration could be anything. You could be a cartoon guy today, right? But you are a product design person. Uh, so how did that direction come to your life? I left myself open to creativity. I went to the school and um, I went through a lot of different and quite a few different curriculums, but illustration is the one that chose me. And I went forward and again, it's so broad and, um, and limitless. And with my imagination, it was just a perfect fit. Very cool. And, and how did you get to product design specifically? Well, uh, like I said, again, um, 
uh, that's what illustration is. It's about the uh, the creative journey. And you know, when you graduate, when I graduated, um, it led you into a lot of different areas of uh, design. Rather, it was um, silk screen design, uh, fashion design. Um, you know, so it it all came back around to uh, creating around products. So that was really my whole journey was developing products for not only for myself, but a lot of different industries and a lot of different clients. Very cool. So, you know, on that, on that product design, I, you know, it makes me think about, uh, every time I'm at the grocery store, I think about packaging waste versus shell space, you know, what a great example of profit versus the earth. Like you get, for example, you get a, you know, a box of cereal, right? Or a bag of chips and literally half of that box and half of that bag has product in it. The rest is just the size that is needed to take that big space on the shelf um, so people can actually see your product, you know? So I always think about that myself. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, thanks to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the product developers and the designers, and that's what it's all about, you know, getting my product seen. And it was just always a fight in creativity and with some of the big companies uh, for that. There's always a fight for that shelf. Uh, I got a good friend of mine, she would love that question because she is zero packaging. <laughs> and, uh, and so she wants to reverse that concept of packaging to go to reusable. And I think that's where we are right now because of what you just said. So it's been totally a rethinking of packaging, uh, not only just the packaging being green or the packaging printing being green itself, even to the point of uh, eliminating packaging altogether. I would love to talk to her someday. That sounds great. <laughs> that's how you could do yeah, that would be great. I would love to talk to her. Um, I love to interview women, men too, but I, I love to give the voice to women that are changing the world. That's a part of my, my mission for sure. Um, so what's the mission of your company called Basic Human Needs, Inc.? And uh, how are you going to achieve it? Um, well, uh, the company picked me. I didn't pick it. And um, it pivoted. Uh, from an industry which is uh, started from uh, trade, uh, reciprocal trade, international trade, where we actually traded in commodities. Um, but during a period of the time when we was uh, trading, uh, the market itself had crashed, you know, mm -hmm. no different than how it crashed right now. And um, so we pivoted into more commodity or products that we feel that was liquid that we feel that people use every day, not just trade and just overall products in which we did, we was all over the board. Uh, but we say we need to focus our portfolio and make sure that we trade and we invest in products that we know that can, we can easily move and we know that people really need every day. And therefore, uh, BHN was born. And from then we started doing procurements and trades and, um, and sourcing and um, uh, basic human need product. And being uh, the brand person and a product person I am, uh, our focus really was working with distributors. Uh, so we would get product that was already done in, in the distribution network and we would move those commodities and those products to our network. But then we said, okay, let's pivot, let's reinvest, let's 
Let's refocus. Now let's go directly to the manufacturer. Let's brand this company, uh, uh, give it a name, give it a focus, and give it a, uh, an image and be focused with that and be more focused of how we integrating it with the community, not B to B, but go from B to B to B to C. So, um, and since then, that's what we've been doing, integrating the company into the mainstream and, and finding this, and, and, it, it, and it has grown. Now it's more purposeful. That is great. I mean, I wish uh, more people are thinking that way. And I'm glad that you are, that your company is there to kind of, you know, guide uh, the businesses and companies out there that sometimes just don't, don't know how to uh, take that jump and that leap. And I'm um, so glad you guys are there. Yes. What a, and, and it's all centered around creativity. We had to be very, very creative and not just be focused forward uh, in a silo. Um, and like I said, that's where my market and understanding what we can do uh, with products and find our niche in the market. Nice. Very, very cool. So, you know, at Basic Human Needs, uh, you know, there's a community economic development aspect. Uh, what does that mean and, and how it can change the world? Well, you know, there you go. That's that's the purpose part of it. You know, being in manufacturing and, and being and having these essential products. Uh, and it's all centered around uh, manufacturing, processing the manufacturing. The, you know, that's kind of the um, and and work and the workforce and training. So uh, so we we brand that also, and and now are in manufacturing. Now we're investing in our own manufacturing to where now we could take it and pull it out and put it in different places in the community as a small micro uh, economic circle of you know, type of platform. So we bring the full circle. Very, very cool. So <clears throat> I read somewhere uh, the word Vatican um, in your bio or was it on your website? I don't know where it was. Um, you know, I'm Brazilian and uh, we were born and raised uh, Catholic um, and I have my own opinions of it. Uh, but how is the Vat Vatican involved in your company? Or is it involved in your company? Uh, tell me about it, about the, the connection. Uh, yes, it's called the uh, Council of Inclusive Capitalism. And I'm more involved with them than they are with me. Uh, but we're looking at some things on the board. But it was actually a uh, call uh, from the Pope himself, companies in the world, banning, uh, you know, help people plan it. And, and with purpose. And so some of the top companies and not just uh, big companies, small companies, all coming together for the cause uh, to come together, collaborate what, what we're doing to the earth, what we can do for the earth and really you know, put our heart and mind and capitalism uh, you know, uh, to work and, and be, a better, be better companies and be more responsible corporations uh, uh, for the future and for humanity. Well, that sounds amazing. I think uh, I think that's what we need more of. Um, how do you balance, uh, you know, air quotes, a mission for humanity uh, with a profitable business? Again, it, it grew and it's purposeful, and it, it would just it's just humanity. You know, our logo is the globe, and we're for all people, and we believe equal value for all people, and we believe all people should have basic human needs you know, uh, everything, you know, the food, shelter, clothing, love, uh, water, um, it, it should be available and affordable uh, to all. 
And as a corporation, we're using our investments and our ingenuity and our partnerships and also our capital uh, to make sure it happens. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I think that you know we need more people that are thinking that way. I think that uh, after this crazy COVID situation and uh, all our systems kind of breaking, I think that the regular person uh, was able to understand how fragile our our systems are and how easily broken it is you know because majority of the people uh, let's say in america have those basic human needs right uh, majority of it uh, compared to other countries out there but then as soon as covid hit everything shut down uh people didn't have toilet paper and they were able to be like oh my god like what would i do without toilet paper and what do i do without going to a restaurant and i think that um, everyone in the world uh, was united at, at, at that point, trying to understand what they would do in case um, a grocery store would never open again, or, you know, we don't have electricity or something like that. So I think that is a really pivot time for, uh, for change in the world, because we're all kind of uh, you know, at face value of what would happen in case uh, our systems broke, you know. I, I and, and yes, and um, again, uh, this company was created pre-COVID, but we just saw the needs of you know liquid products uh, being in the market. But yes, COVID itself has actually helped our company uh, and, and everybody to be very uh, more uh, understanding of essential products and companies with essential needs. So uh, so it actually played in our favor because we stayed focused. Uh, without even you know building and being uh, you know one foot in the market but it really just uh gave us more focus even just in uh impact investment and in how we're building in the community so it's a plus yeah that's good i love to hear pluses these days there are not that many out there <laughs> um so how do we bring technology into farming without alienating our farmers of today well I think it's like it's like anything and everything and and how we started with the industrial revolution, the automation into where we at. So, you know, technology is not here to disrupt farmers. It's here to have an understanding of what farmers need, the soil, the plants, everything, and to be able to somehow int integrate uh, technology to help it be more efficient and better. So uh, I think it plays, I mean, you know, technology plays a very big role in, in all aspects of life, uh, but not to use it to take away, but to use it to enhance it and make it more efficient. Yeah, I think that that is, uh, that is the key right there, you know, not to take it away, but to use it uh, in the benefit of, because, you know, there's no way that we can build enough buildings with vertical farming that will then be able to feed everybody in the world. We always going to need our regular farmers uh, that are farming, but at the same time, you know, if we can bring some type of technology to them, like understanding um, of what the soil needs using technology, understanding how much water it needs, things like that. But what worries me is, you know, the price of that technology, you know, like as a farmer myself, 
um, you know, the tractor broke and it's not going to work again, that's $30,000, $40,000. So farming is extremely expensive. And at the same, at the same turn, it doesn't give you much return because we have that middleman that takes, you know, a big chunk of that uh, profit in between the farmer and the consumer. So that's what worries me the most is making technology available and um, efficient, but also available to the farmers of today. Yes. And, uh, you know, you said a key thing and uh, technology is is moving in a way that it, it is taking out the middleman and, um, and, and is helping support the small man. And, um, and yes, uh, because of a lot of new technology just getting to the market now that's not scaled uh, as it, like anything, you know, like the phones or anything, once the technology is more adopted, um, the prices will go down. And, um, you know, you'll probably see that in the next five to 10 years that, you know, robotics is just going to be normal and everybody's gonna be in the game and the price is just gonna come way down. So like you say, like anything, any new technology, anything new, yeah, the price is cost. Um, but the most important thing is to be with well, an investment part of it is really where the most money come in. And like we investing in new technology is very expensive. We gotta raise millions and millions of dollars just to yeah. get the first base. Yeah. So uh, that's the first step to pass on our technology for research and development and integration. Uh, we could get past some of the costs, but after that, yes, like anything, the prices will actually go down as companies continue to scale. Yeah, and then, you know, that I think there's like a, a key thing you said there, uh, you know, five to 10 years. Um, <clears throat> our farmers are, majority of them between the age of 60 and 80 years old, um, they are dying and their children are tech people, majority of them actually making those technologies. But at the time of today, within the next five and 10 years, we're losing farm uh, land, we're losing farmers because they're passing away, they're older. Um, how can we aid these farmers today, not 10 years from now, um, but today? What's your opinion on that? They um, like, Everything that's happening right now is the shift. I'm hearing more young farmers coming up. I'm hearing people who, with doctors and lawyers, they're now farmers, but they're micro. Not to say that they're planting hundreds of thousands of acres, but I'm hearing more people just planting in their backyard, my friends. So I'm seeing more micro farmers than I am large farmers. So we are seeing a shift. And some of those uh, young kids who are creating the tech, they are going back to the farm understanding what the farms need and bringing in this new technology to help. So technically it's kind of bringing everybody back. So uh, when I mean the next five to 10 years, I mean a, a stabilization of, of the transformation of technology and farming and where it's gonna go. And right. not a lot of the young farmers are really using the tech to go back to the traditional farming, but they are. I've been seeing some amazing technology and what they're doing, satellite to drones, just awesome stuff. But also again, the higher technology where they are you know, bringing in uh, new age uh, greenhouses and, and how they use the water and, and AI where you know, a lot of it is autonomous and it's some awesome stuff out there. So that's the change that we're gonna see 
uh, that's going to balance all using right now within the next five to 10 years. Yeah, I love that balance. Uh, that 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 gives me some hope here. <laughs> so, um, our, <laughs> yeah. So our ranch uh, is in Eastern Washington, right? And um, we are in the opportunity opportunity zone economic development area. Uh, we have nine acres of clean slate land uh, that we want to develop in a way that is not monocropped um, and etc. You know, um, investing in these areas can be called uh, impact investing. Um, how do I, I myself or anyone, go by on finding the right investor if you are in opportunity zone um, in this country? Uh, they're out there, especially if you label yourself that in, impact invest. The farming is huge. It's super huge right now. Even in agriculture with the government, there's millions of dollars in grants and everybody is really focused on the, the food and supply chain and where it's going and what it, what it needs to be done with it. So uh, you're in the right area. It's just all about, you know, taking what you have, packaging it and, and putting it in a package and just reaching out to those people, in, especially foreign, you, you're in a very good area and just package it, you know, put, uh, put your deck together, put your information together, put your numbers together, put your ideas out and they're there. And again, you know, um, you have the opportunity also to open up what they call a QOF, the Qualified Opportunity Fund. Once you set up your fund, that makes you more appealing and opening to investors because um, that's where they would want to funnel, put their money into your QOF and which would be a QOF uh, 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 business also in farming. So you're in the right area. Very cool. Can you explain again, what is that, the QRF? Can you repeat that? Q, the QOF, a Qualified Opportunity Fund that uh -huh. goes along with the Opportunity Zones then, and once you have, uh, if you already have land in there, that would be the next thing you would do. Just open up a QOF. That's open up to where you can bring in accredited investors. You can shop for accredited investors. You can pitch and you can say, hey, I want to raise $5 million and this is what I want to do with the $5 million. Then you will have investors from all over uh, wanting to put money into your, uh, into your farming project. Yeah, very cool, you know, because I, I always think about, you know, it's kind of backwards as we are, you know, like the farmer goes and says, okay, I'm going to farm whatever, lettuce, tomato, and corn. Um, they spend the whole year working super hard. They have a big uh, harvest, and then they think, uh, where am I going to sell that? Right. The way I see it, I think it's, it should be the other way around. Like, that's how I want to use my property is I want to find where the need is and what is needed and what can I grow. And before I lay anything on the soil, I would like to have someone that already wants that product, that already wants that produce or or product in general. I think that by understanding the market and, and, and getting in with, you know, 2021 and, and not using our practices from hundreds of years ago. I think that that's one way that farmers can kind of jump into the, the, the new world and, and how to, and how to understand what the market needs from them before they're actually laying plants on the ground. Yeah, no, that's, that's not backwards thinking. That's just thinking. 
Yeah, exactly. And, know, also, and, and that's the way you have to think. And have, yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, I had a project, have a project in the UN <clears throat> uh, called Lift Hubs. And, and the idea of it is to create, um, find funding, obviously, um, and create this building in the, in the middle of where farmers are at. Um, and this building would be a processing facility where all the farmers could use it together. Um, you have a, a commercial kitchen in there. You have a processing facility and an owl facility in there. Um, that way, our farmers will be able to actually produce products and not just ingredients. I really believe that um, the day that farmers start producing actual products and not just ingredients is when we're going to start seeing a shift on what the farmer makes at the end of the year. Yes, I, there you go. I, I, I love it. I mean, wow. I mean, you put all that down, you, you'll be okay. I, I, I love it. Sounds great. <laughs> um, and so... I have a question for you what do you think about enriched foods and uh you know there's there's the idea that people around the world that don't have basic needs right um that they need to have a corn that's enriched with a synthetic um product on top of it to bring them extra vitamin d or vitamin c or whatever um in my way of thinking uh you know as a, a farmer and a chef and a healthcare professional um i i i'm weary of that idea only because uh you know you see cereal boxes right it says like uh, you know, enriched with vitamin D or whatever. But when you go look at those ingredients, that actual vitamin that's enriching something that came out of the ground um, and it is natural, is now, you know, encapsulated with uh, synthetic products around it. So what do you think about enriched products? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, kudos to the companies that have to make that decision. Um, you know, uh, again, I'm in foods myself. Um, and, and I'm, um, I have to make some critical decisions, uh, decisions in my food supply. Um, you know, uh, you know, I am also non-perishable, um, but now I do have more of a blend now to going more into, uh, organic directly to the consumer. So, uh, so I'll have a balance. Um, you know, I, I personally you know it don't make sense to me but for some reason it makes sense to the people who is doing it um <laughs> I, I think i may have to just cross that bridge when i get there but it just don't make sense to me and i hope that i don't have to make that hard decisions by doing enrichment to the food supply good i'm glad <laughs> yeah i think it's it's a very uh <laughs> It's a it's a it's a very dangerous line there, you know, and I think that I think that if we think more about um, getting that product and that um, those ingredients straight from the ground into the product boxes um, and, and having that available to people all the time, I think that that is a better road um, than enriching things with synthetic uh, ingredients and then hoping that that's not going to cause problems down the line. So we're coming down to the quick fire round here. Um, I did not send you those questions uh, up ahead because I wanted you to make a decision uh, on the fly and uh, tell me what your quick answer is. Uh, five questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
All right. So real meat or lab engineer meat? Real meat. <laughs> Number two, are you religious? If so, what religion? I am not religious. All right. Number three, vaccine or no vaccine? Vaccine. All right. Number four, how can the voices of small companies, entrepreneurs, and farmers can be heard by your company? Just reach out. I'm always available to listen and collaborate. And what's the best way to shout to you? Um, I am on LinkedIn, uh, BHN, uh, Basic Human Needs, Christopher Freeman. Um, that'll be uh, probably the easiest to connect with me. Awesome. Five and last question. If you had to take one food item to a deserted island, what would it be? Hemp seeds. Nice. You're going to be a healthy guy at the deserted island then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and such a wonderful and versatile, I can make houses out of it, boats out of it, clothes out of it, and eat it too. Yeah, go. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, listeners, if you are uh, wondering why our connection is a little bit weird this time around, because normally I have a pretty clear connection, is because me and Christopher are in very remote, remote parts of the United States um, <laughs> where we do not have uh, cable internet. We actually depend on a satellite. Um, so we really appreciate you listening and uh, taking the time to uh, of your day to listen to what we have to say, because I think it's a really important conversation. Uh, yes. And one thing we do have is uh, I'm sure is a lot of nature around us, right? 100%. I mean, I have, I myself got 90 acres and I think each neighbor of mine probably have about the same or more. So around me, there's probably three wow. neighbors that I can see. So yeah, there's a, a lot of space in between us. <laughs> awesome. All right. Awesome. I, really, I really, really appreciate you taking a, a Saturday morning to have this conversation with me. I'm really excited about your company uh, in so many ways. And I hope that uh, we have a future together uh, on changing the world. Yes, we do. And uh, it's a pleasure uh, speaking with you. And thank you for all the wonderful questions and understanding. And um, um, I hope we do it again. We will be in contact. Awesome. If you'd like to connect with Christopher, follow him on IG at BHN underscore basic underscore human underscore needs and on LinkedIn at Christopher Freeman BHN and subscribe to my podcast at any major podcast platform like Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.